Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Blood and Mud podcast, the only rugby podcast that hasn't uh, been brought down by rugby's left-wing economic establishment. Um, but but let's face it, you know, these, these woke pinko liberals at World Rugby can't ignore our iconoclastic truth-telling forever. Um, but until that time, we will continue to bring you the unpalatable truths that woke crusaders like Austin Healy and Lawrence Thalio just, just don't want you to hear. God, this is what this must be what it's like to present egg chasers. Anyway, um, hello, <laughs> I am as you've probably already forgotten, thanks to the communist brainwashing given to everyone who dares to enjoy the sport of rugby union on a weekly basis. I am Josh, uh, not me. With me this week is Lee, uh, who I'm sad to say has been sent away to a world rugby re-education camp in a travel lodge in Ealing, uh, where he learned to stop telling it like it is, uh, and he'll be given a ceremonial portrait of Bill Beaumont to hang on the most venerated place in his home, uh, as we all should do. But fear not, uh, there is still an unapologetic, uh, unapologetic indeed, truth teller, an iconoclast who's going to help me navigate this weekend's rugby. It is um, the Highlands Ben Shapiro. The, the Jordan Peterson of Fife, uh, the Jock Joe Rogan himself, uh, Scottish rugby podcast, Johnny McGinty. How's it going, Johnny? Owned any libs this week? <laughs> Very good. That was a uh, that was the most exciting and also most offensive intro I think I've ever had. So <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, as I was writing it, I was just like, this is really going to just genuinely make him quite angry. So I thought we'd, we'd get this podcast off on a, on a really great start. So uh, yeah, <laughs> perfect. Um, yeah, what better way to start? I can't. I can't mean even pretending to be uh, right wing just makes me feel about thirty percent thicker and about forty percent more angry. And frankly, you need that on a Monday night. So should we be normal now? Uh, welcome, Johnny. Uh, it's lovely to have you back. Um, basically, when you're the Hello, happiest you're you? ever going to be, I'm guessing. Like there's, there's, is there an up from yeah, this? Yeah, this is. Um... <laughs> Yeah, this is probably a bit of a different vibe to what we had when we originally booked this on Saturday lunchtime. <laughs> okay, I, I think then when, we, when, we figured yeah. we were going to both be miserable. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, well, I, I thought that we would sort of, you know, we, we'd kind of be 
our vibes would be at least complimentary, but there's going to be a real yin-yang thing going on in this one. So, you know, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, I mean, I would ask you if you had a good weekend, but, um, I mean, I saw the trays of shots you were posting on the group chat by about 7pm <laughs> on Saturday night. Uh, so I think that probably speaks for itself. Yep. I uh, enjoy the win. We were going from... I did, yeah. We, we were going from, from pub to pub just after the game, and for some reason, I decided that I'd stop for an ice cream. So there's <laughs> also in between in my camera roll from Saturday night, in between loads of um, photos of trays of shots and like whiskeys and stuff. There's also just a photo of me enjoying a, a salted caramel waffle cone because we were in Air, which is where all the Italians come from in Scotland. Um, so there's loads and loads of ice cream shops. I tell you what, man, like those Italians know how to do good ice cream, don't they? Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> it's it's like people people don't understand that like coming from south wales as i did it's like like, oh it's just great ice cream it's like no 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 no. all the fucking italians came here after the war i i know i know good ice cream from way back (laughs) like don't try to come at me with (laughs) this marshfield farm shit no 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 that's very much what airs like um it's Mm. like every every second or third shop is either an italian restaurant a proper coffee shop or an ice cream shop and it's yes exactly made for an all-round great ice cream yeah yeah the Sidolis, the Savinis, they're all the, all those guys. They yep. love their work. Massive fan. I was in, I was in Ronaldo's in air on Saturday night. If anyone knows it, good ice creams in there. That's Ronaldo's with an E, by the way. Oh, Ronaldo! Ah, I love it. Not, not Ronaldo's, not like that, the creepy one. Yeah, the creepy, yeah. The cat. Uh, yeah. Yeah, my weekend, conversely, was just dreadful. Like, yeah, <laughs> Noah's been ill. I've barely slept. Wales are on for ah. a wooden spoon. Um, I was so desperate to, was I to find some sport that wouldn't wound me in in the, my very soul on Sunday night. I actually watched the newfangled Pro Bowl. Another Pro Bowl games. I tell you what, that was a low ebb. <laughs> it was <laughs> just real bad. Like watching Bob, it, friend of the pod, Bobbins, put it quite well on Twitter, and he's like, thousands of people are currently paying to watch a bunch of NFL players not play American football for three hours and yep. it was dreadful it was dreadful genuinely flag <laughs> football games and skills contests that was like a really shit version of gladiators come on yeah i like the only one that i've seen before that that i thought was really really good when they started doing the skill contest thing was do you remember the year they did like the assault course but they had like, yes. people from different positions. So like mm. they, had a, they had a defensive back had to climb up over a big high wall and then a lineman had to push a sled and stuff. That was good fun. Yes. Like, yeah. The, most of they, it's most of it's shit, but that was quite entertaining. Yeah, they, they had a similar they, they had a sort of like obstacle course thing again. And it was quite good, but it was just like why is the whole thing not this and just make it gladiators? Like yeah. I I would enjoy that much more than I enjoyed the needless three interludes of a flag football game where somehow Jared Goff was still throwing interceptions. Um yeah. <laughs> that does not surprise me. <laughs> also some genuinely terror like so many people clearly couldn't be bothered with it this year that like some really yeah, bad like, really bad players are in the Pro Bowl this year, even by the they, usual standards. They got rid of the actual game because no one could be arsed and now they're just yeah. like, Well that's the standards going, lads. <laughs> Although I did did they have Marlon Humphreys in the catch competition on a zip line. Did I imagine that? Uh, I don't think he made it through to the final because the final oh, okay. was um, genuinely appalling because it was Amon Ross and Brown who did a quite a good one. 
Um, and then it was oh, uh, Bill's receiver. Fuck, what's his name? Um, Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs, who was attempting to catch two balls at once, having jumped on a trampoline flying through some smoke. But what he didn't work like what he didn't countenance for was that the smoke shooting up into his eyes would blind him. And so he was physically incapable of seeing where either of those two balls were coming from. Have these assholes never seen fantasy files? Because none of this is as good as fantasy files. No, Remember when Chris Cooley punched through a drywall and caught a ball yeah, on the side? Like, fucking do that. Yeah. That would be impressive. The, the catching the ball up in the out of the thin. Yeah, all that shit. Yeah. And yeah. who was it? Was it a running back that then he caught one in his left hand, then he caught one in his right hand, then they fired and another then one at him and he caught it in the one. middle? Yes. Yeah. That's like, what do I that. See. Yeah. yeah, and that is the problem because, like those fantasy files things, were obviously fake. None of the real world stuff is as impressive. It is good, yeah, as what fantasy files was twenty years ago. So, <laughs> oh well. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm guessing most people haven't turned in here to talk, tuned in here to talk about the Pro Bowl, but maybe maybe they <laughs> have. Let's talk about all the American football videos. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of more on topic than the DIY chat usually is. Let's be yeah. real. I mean, at I least guess there's a ball a, involved, at least. A vaguely oval ball. Ryan Pinfield says, what's absolute bollocks? It really was. <laughs> Even by Pro Bowl standards, it was real shit. Um, but yes, uh, we are... We are here to talk about uh, the game of rugby union, unfortunately, um, which <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not madly in love with at the moment. Uh, Johnny's probably a lot more in love with it uh, than this I am. This is one of my more attached to rugby weekends that I've had for a while. <laughs> yeah, well, one of my well, I can just about pull rugby out of the bin weekends is uh, yeah. sort of yeah, that's that's as good as it gets these days, guys. Um, you are no doubt aware uh, that we are part of the Sports Social Podcast Network, along with various other rugby podcasts, such as Rock and Roll, Friends of the uh, Show. That new Sam Warburton one, which I assume is is good, probably. Like, uh, probably a lot of bland talking about sort of alphaing and stuff. Yeah, is it, is it called Sam Warburton's Alpha Mindset? <laughs> it's not actually. It's called Captains, and it's Sam. Sam Warburton talks to other captains about being a captain, which I I love Sam, but fuck me, that sounds dry. Um, but I'm sure it's really good. You should listen to it. It's on the Sports Social Podcast Network. Uh, so <laughs> see, so I'm not on Jim the Sports Social Podcast Network, so I can say that sounds dog shit because yeah, loads yeah, of captains can. are quite boring. <laughs> yeah, well, I can say, it. I, and I'm, I'm just sure a guest. Josh, I'm sure it'll be, Josh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it'll be really riveting. Um, yeah, that's on there. Um, and also the Joe Marler podcast, but we, we don't want to talk about that too much. Um, we're available on Apple Podcasts, we're available on Spotify, CastBox, apparently, whatever the fuck that is. Um, and indeed, wherever all good podcasts are indeed sold or not sold. Uh, you're also painfully aware by now that uh, the podcasts are available in full-length unabridged balls-out form uh, on Patreon at patreon.com slash mud. No, I'm not doing anything. Um, I was wondering, this is your chance to I do, gen- like, do you know what? I genuinely, I genuinely thought, shall I, like one uply and like make my own full musical production with like a backing <laughs> track and I was gonna I was gonna do Baby's Got Back uh but it was gonna be Baby's Got Slash. Um nice and I genu- I genuinely wasted about half an hour this afternoon just thinking, can I do this? And then I just thought, <laughs> no, no I can't. See if we'd been thinking you and I could have gone like early two thousands pop punk for our slash. We I can- wish <laughs> now that I've said that I wish I'd thought of one. Me too. I, I, like I, I did, I did think, what, what, what can I do that I know that Johnny will join in? in? 
and like, <laughs> because we are basically the same musical education. Like, yep. I'm, but I was, yeah, I, I couldn't come up with anything that had a slash potential in it. So you'll just have to make do with just me saying patreon.com slash blood and mud tough shit. Um, sorry. But yeah, there's loads of bonus content on there. Rugby history with Tony Collins, um, our Ernest Hemingway's Garden of Eden, uh, the team of the 90s, which is never going to get finished, let's be real. Um, <laughs> and you get access to the Patreon messaging services, the private, uh, the private Facebook group, where you get regular updates on the progress of Lee's uh, latest DIY escapades. Um, he's just still doing some Pimp my packs and shit. That's that's last I heard. Yeah, that seems um, like it's going to take a long time. It's take a long. I, I mean, he sent a picture the other day, and he's got those fancy little uh, shoe things that mm-hmm. slush, slide out, which I was quite jealous of. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you want more of that, uh, it's, it's two quid a month. And if you wish to more appropriately reflect the true value proposition that you're enjoying with that sort of content, uh, it's Fiverr to come into the Alibu Lounge where you get a shout out amongst other things. Um, I mentioned the. Patreon messaging service there, Johnny. Uh, we begin as we always begin with a player spotted, and this week, uh, Sean Hughes gets in touch via said Patreon messaging service with, and it, his life seems very different to my life. I'll straight, Is I'll, this going to be I'll another one of these? Because I was really horrible about someone last time I was on here who had a very different life to mine. So let's try and like, I'm going to try and be safe. <laughs> it's really, it's really hard not to be sort of really horrible with people with different lives for sometimes, isn't it? But um, yeah, uh, he says, hey there lads, got a player spotted for you. Been busy pregnancy scanning sheep since December and had a small job to do scanning ATUs. I mean, straight okay, this up. Is, this, this is what I can very... get on board with. This this is a very different life to mine, but I'm intrigued. Uh, I turned up at the farm and saw that the sheep in question weren't in the shed ready. I could hear a quad bike in the distance and assumed it was the farmer bringing the sheep in from a nearby field. As I was finishing setting my equipment up, okay, so I'm assuming that Sean is a vet vet of some kind. I hope so. I hope he's not just doing this for laughs. Um, (laughs) As I was finishing setting my equipment up, the sheep came in, followed by a farmer on a quad bike. Uh, he was wearing a safety helmet, so I couldn't see his face. As he took it off, lo and behold, it was former Cardiff and Wales back rower Hemi Taylor. Jesus. I had what? a quick chat with him. He's now a sheep farmer. <laughs> Very on the nose. I suppose, because he was... He, no, was he, a, he was a Kiwi, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, I guess he's just gone, well, I'm here anyway, and if yeah. I go home, I could just do this as well, so I might as well just stay and, yeah. Had a quick chat. For with as him, much but... as I love Wales, though, yeah. I'd probably do it in New Zealand. Oh, if, me too. If you gave me the choice between the two, <laughs> it's like, like you've got better weather and better, uh, more varied scenery in uh, New Zealand, but then Wales doesn't have earthquakes. So, mm, I guess. And a better baseline standard of rugby as well. It must be said dramatically <laughs> so. Um, yeah, Sion says, uh, I had a quick chat with him about Cardiff this season. He said the higher-ups in the WU are fucking useless. Uh, I agreed. <laughs> yes. Hemi knows what he's talking about. Uh, thank you, Sion. That was almost too interesting, what with quad bikes and use and, you know, calling the WIU fucking useless. But I still enjoyed See, it. It's it's put me right at ease as well, because when I was on with uh, Robbie and Will on the Squidge World Cup thing the other week, Mm. I always like have this thing where I always keep telling people that uh, Scottish rugby is not as parochial and like small world as everyone seems to think it is. <laughs> and then on Robbie's podcast, I uh, unironically and completely factually used the phrase, you can see Rob Dewey's sheep farm from my house. And then as soon as I did, it went, ah, oh, you fucked that, mate. Uh, That's all your arguments out the window. Literally this bit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, sheep farming, yeah. I'm okay with. I can get into that. Sheep farming is fine, yeah. Uh, <laughs> says Wales Online article says he has 300 sheep. So right, I mean, you, were, you were doing about doing just under a third of uh, <laughs> of Hemi Taylor's sheep in that case. Then fair play, fair play, and 40 cows. Well, I don't, how do we feel about diversifying sheep farmers with both <laughs> cattle and? I don't know about that. I think I you should stick it, stay in your lane. Ah, stay in your lane, isn't it? If you can have 40 cows, why not have a few more sheep? I suppose. Are sheep worth much less than cows? They probably are, aren't they? Yeah. I think it's pure, pure See, I'm doing it again. Well. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say this to the thought. Yes, maybe. Cows definitely worth more than sheep, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we do some news, Johnny? Um, Let's. Should we do the bad thing about Scotland first? <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we start? I should probably start with the biggest news, and then you can do the bad thing about Scotland. Um, okay. That Simon Middleton is uh, stepping down as yeah. England coach after the Six Nations. Um, feels like a big moment for women's rugby, and in particular women's rugby in England, because, like, yeah, he's been what head coach since 2015, basically overseen the professionalisation of women's rugby in England, and arguably built the first truly elite professional international women's program in the game uh and he's you know and he's won almost the lot <laughs> yeah yeah and, like I, and, I can i can see why he's going because like what else has he got to do yeah it's like he's won what five six nations titles world you know 30 match world record winning streak but he's also fluffed it into World Cup finals despite yeah. having the resources, depth and quality that literally nobody else in the sport should be able to compete with. And perhaps that's why every for everybody it was sort of like what more can you <laughs> like you've yeah. had two you've had two cracks at it now. It's not worked out. Do you really think that you can do something different this third time that's gonna make it stick? Yeah. And uh, you know, really it, interesting is mm. who they get. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. Whether they kind of, because presumably they're not going to get, they're not going to sort of get rid of him and then just like promote one of his assistants or whatever. And obviously, you know, the Blackferns have kind of laid the groundwork for getting, you know, elite coaches from else, you know, from the men's game over and having success and demonstrating that, you know, it is perfectly easy to cross over. If from his point of view as well, actually, like he's fifty, he's only fifty-seven, which is is not you know retirement age for a coach by any stretch of the imagination. And hardly uh, worthy says Pivax free. I did, as I was saying that, I did genuinely think that, and I was like, that would be an absolute insult to everyone uh, yep. who works at in women's rugby. But it's the sort of thing that you can see people like, like he, he's going to be in the odds, isn't he? When, when you sort of when they get the betting thing out, Wayne Pivak's going to be like seven to one or something stupid like that. And yeah, I'm going to hate it. But you are you do wonder if Middleton's going to have suitors in the men's game, um, given that he is comfortably, you know, aside from the not having a World Cup win on his CV, England's most successful ever international coach. Yeah, and I think. He's most likely probably going to go to the Prem, you would think. I can't, I can't see him going yeah. to a country straight away, but he, like, there's there's a half dozen Prem teams that could benefit from having Simon Middleton. Yeah, indeed. Or, or whether you know he could go to another hell. Maybe he's going to go. He could go to the Black Ferns. He could go to Australia. He could you know take another sort of job in the women's game. And I feel like him working with Eddie Jones might not go that well. <laughs> 
what do you mean? They seem like totally complimentary characters. <laughs> you know, him as a sort of like caring, decent, gen, like nice man, and 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 Eddie Jones as Eddie Jones. You know, um, but as you say, yeah, super interesting. Who, uh, who the <laughs> Ryan Pinfield says Vern Cotter's just become free as well. He has. Um, I can't see Vern Cotter's sort of. I mean. How many how, red roses would kill a rabbit? How many red? Yeah, how many red roses would kill a rabbit? Um, and how many would enjoy it? I, I just don't. That doesn't feel like it fits in with the environment that Simon Middleton has created. But maybe that's why they need a change. You know, maybe they need a little bit more sort of needless animal death to get them over <laughs> the hump. That's what's missing from the World Cup final challenge. <laughs> that, what, that was it. Was that killer instinct right in that last five minutes? The sort of the cold calculating nature of somebody that's throttled a bunny to death uh, <laughs> anyway it'll be interesting to see what happens to be honest with you it'll be interesting to see whether a bunch of the players take that as a hint to go as well because he's retiring mm. he's uh, he's leaving the role at the end of the six nations after uh the france game which is going to be a a likely grand slam decider as well um Sarah Hunter and Emily Scarrett, they really want to stick around like in their late 30s to try and so either accept yeah, to like or, have a new setup installed. Yeah, and sort of accept that maybe they're like fringe players or very at least heavily diminished players under a new coach because you can't really very well build for the next World Cup cycle around two people who are in their sort of, you know, nearly 40. Um well, <laughs> try telling Ireland uh, man that. Um <laughs> But yeah, even some of the younger sort of veteran, like Marley Packer's 33, Amy Kakane's 33, Vicky Cornborough, I think is 33 or 34, like you can see them going, I mean, is, is this us now? And especially when you think of all the young players that they, they showed came through in the World Cup, you know, Kabea, Hurd, Botman, Muir, I could go on and on. Um, it could be quite a sort of, interesting period of transition for England that I don't think maybe we didn't necessarily not expect but it's it's kind of it's quite that England team with Middleton and with the usual suspects in it has been sort of so dominant and there all the time yeah and I'd like the most constant group in either men's or women's Mm. for the last almost a decade yeah and it's going to be weird to see what happens next definitely but uh, yeah interesting times Uh, do you want to do your Depressing Scottish news now, then. I suppose so. <laughs> um, although it's, Scotland have taken a slightly different uh, turn for their sexism and, mis- sexism and misogyny mm. angle because uh, it's all about how horrendous the grassroots game is in Scotland rather than the, the sort of heads of governance like it was in the WRU. Yes. Um, Heather Dewar from the Daily Mail after obviously Liberton, RFC and Edinburgh disbanded their women's team and then the women came out to talk about just how horrendous it was. Mm-hmm. Um, Heather Dewar did this big three-page article with six case studies from different grassroots women's players all over the country um, sharing very similar experiences um, of uh, sexism, homophobia, misogyny, um basically saying these players from different clubs all over the country, uh, saying that all the men in the clubhouse just assumed you were a lesbian and uh, if they found out you weren't, it basically made you fair game for really awful flirting and if you didn't reciprocate, you got basically ostracised from the clubs. So, yeah, just like, just great stuff. uh, But But it's it's okay okay, though. The email address now. (laughs) 
So. I was going to say, they haven't even set up a... They haven't even gone to the, the bother of setting up a helpline. It's an email no, address. It's an email it's, address. Filtered straight to junk. It's it's fucking hell. It's, as, as a sort of like... Because it's interesting, because obviously the Welsh government are getting involved with the WIU now. Um, and, are, and there are like important people with power asking pointed questions that but the like, you can't ignore like quite how many NDAs have you signed in the last <laughs> ten years? And exactly what was your process for reporting sex any kind of sexual harassment or yep. any kind of bullying? And and they've gone <sighs> We've already got an MSP involved in uh, wanting answers about what happened to Siobhan Catigan. Yeah. Um and I imagine that there's going to be another one once they see exactly what the scale of this uh, sexism and misogyny in the game is. Uh, there's also the small question of several million pounds of COVID funding that, that, went, that went to the SRU oh. Scottish government. And I think they would yeah. quite like to know exactly what happened with that. <laughs> yeah, and the worse the SRU gets, the more keen they are to find out. Yeah, I would imagine that that hasn't sort of put them off trying to get to the bottom of that. It's my new... So you guys sort of oversee a, a sport that kind of just allows sexism to happen. With, but yeah. but I'm sure you've, you've, your accounts are absolutely spotless. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, no, that's... I mean, can rugby just have one day where I I don't just want to fire it into the fucking sun? Just one. I, mean, I don't think we've, I think we've had one for like the last fortnight. It's just been every day there's been yeah. some sort of bollocks. Speaking Did of. Did anything bad happen on Sunday? Because like that, um, was a, that was a nice game on Sunday. Yes, I think on Sunday, um, the SARU. Um, oh, is that where they to... kicked out Tel Aviv Heat? Well, they they created the shitstorm by bringing right. Tel Aviv Heat into, you know, they're inviting a load of com- com- uh club teams from around the world into the Curry Cup this year or the second division of the Curry Cup this year to try and make that tournament feel a little even more pointless than it already is um, and so yeah they invited the Tel Aviv Heat from Israel um, nobody in the SARU apparently considered that inviting a team from a state, a state which many would not unreasonably claim was a modern apartheid regime might inflame the sensibilities of some people who remember you know the original fucking apartheid regime so um yeah the uh, south african division of the um uh, bds coalition uh, sort of accused the sairu of embarrassing post apartheid south africa through this overtly racist move and exposing its true colors those of the old south african flag if this apartheid israeli team comes to play in south africa the sairu will have blood on its hands which is a punchy statement that that's not unfair one um <laughs> yep like, yes, the SRU is like, but Israel are a member of world rugby, as if that is somehow, you know, carte <laughs> oh, blanche for everyone's moral character. And is it the guy who's in jail who who let them in, or someone else? <laughs> I know. Well, the guy who's going to be the next Fiji coach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in case you haven't heard that, by the way, um, yeah, according to <laughs> according to the keep. Um, Fiji having Vuncott uh, having left the other week um, offered it to currently in prison Bernard Laporte to be their new coach which 
I mean, says a lot about where rugby is in Fiji. <laughs> as a, as a, we all we're all rooting for the islands, but Jesus Christ, <laughs> rugby in Fiji is administratively perhaps not in the best place. Um, but yes, so the in fairness to the SAIU, they basically went, "Whoa, we we did not anticipate this reaction," and then instantly disinvited uh, the Tel Aviv Heat. Um, replacing them with the definitely not made up Mexican rhinos. That's that's not a real rugby team. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, but now obviously the Heat have responded by saying that their disinvite uh, promotes the politics of hatred and retribution over the best interests of sport and exposes the Tel Aviv Heat and its supporters to being targeted by aggressive, hateful language designed to intimidate, delegitimize, and silence. Which is exactly the sort of thing that somebody trying to use rugby for a bit of sports washing would say, to be honest. Um, but I, I very much doubt that this is the last we've heard on this because this has basically become a diplomatic incident now. Which, yeah. well, yeah, done. This has got legs. Yeah. You just wanted to make the second division of the Curry Cup slightly more interesting and you've created a massive diplomatic spat. Well done. The thing is, like, Tel Aviv Heat have got loads of, like, ex-Prem players and ex-internationals and stuff. Yeah, they're them. the so, sort of nouveau riche guys, aren't they? Yeah. And so, like, I think if I was if I was the SARU uh, blindly in a vacuum looking for something that might bring a bit of attention <laughs> to the second division of the Curry Cup, I might go, well, what about this team with all the ex-internationals in it? So loads of them. The other thing is that loads of them are saffers as well because they yeah. are... Were they sort of partly owned or something by oh what's his name? Um Ronaldo Botman, the uh former was he ever a Springbok? I'm gonna have to Google that. Um I don't know if he was, you know. He used to play for Quinns. Um No, he he only ever met he played for Namibia sixteen times, fair play to him. Um but yeah, um, like think for five seconds about how that looks outside of rugby. Like yeah, I guess yeah. they're a borderline appealing team to have in your second division. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also, like, think about everything else. All the other stuff. Yeah. Ugh. Yes. So uh there's that. That's that's bags of fun. Um Ireland will be without uh in actual on the field rugby news, uh, Ireland will be without Tug Furlong, Jameson Gibson Park, and Kean Healy for the France game this weekend and look it didn't seem to slow them down too much uh, last weekend not having those guys there but then it's equally unlikely that Ireland are going to encounter a team so generous in terms of penalty count uh, as Wales were on Saturday um, hang on, France shipped how many penalties against it? Oh, oh. <laughs> yep. oh dear oh dear um, yeah, big loss let's be real two best yeah. props and Scrum off that makes it all tick. Ugh. Yeah, it's uh, it's it was great, already it? going to be a fairly tense affair on on Saturday for for France and Ireland. I think it's probably going to be even tenser now. France have got some serious tidying up to do, and Ireland have got some fairly major injury worries. So, yeah, I can't see I either mean, of them feeling great about it. So. Scottish Grand Slam on is what you're saying then. Um, I'm not saying anything. I'm absolutely not saying that. <laughs> I mean, I might say that later, just for that. Um, <laughs> any more news from your side of the uh, 
Um, don't think so. I think that actually everyone seems to have come through the first round of games relatively unscathed. I don't think there's any new injuries. Alan Wynne Jones is out. That's about it. Yeah, uh, Tom Francis looks like he's probably not going to make it either. And yeah, Alan Wynne's in the concussion protocol. Um, Johnny Sexton isn't in the concussion protocol because. He, he claimed it was a case of mistaken identity <laughs> when he got <laughs> HIA. Which, to be fair, is exactly the sort of thing that he would say. Yeah, when um, when you're like when you've been smashed in the head, you probably also do think you're someone else. So yeah, indeed. Um, but yeah, he apparently passed his HIA one. He's doing his HIA two now, but they think that he they're claiming that he was in it accidentally. Um, so he looks to be fit and fine. Um, he was yeah, just resting that. in our concussion protocol. <laughs> Um, yeah, other than that, as you say, a relatively clean bill of health, uh, it seems. But uh, we shall see. The Six Nations. Wait and see if uh, Tips get cited. Yeah, that looks that that looked bad, didn't it? I, th- that, yeah, I mean, I don't it's... think you can get cited now because we're outside the citing window. But they can open it up for special occasions, and I think that that video. Of t- I don't know what he's trying to do there. No, but he it's, it's a weird him. one. He's obviously looks... reaching over to try and grab the ball, but in doing so, yeah. he just breaks his hand right across his eye. Yeah, it look. I think it looks fairly innocuous in terms of the first contact and what he's going to do, but then his hand does linger in the eye area for a little yeah. bit longer than you'd like. He has. He spends longer there than I'd have liked, and if he got banned, I wouldn't blame him. Yeah, I didn't spot it at the time. I have to say. Um, but now you see it back, it's it's no, fairly same. obvious. Pretty much, I think. Uh, should we talk about the week? I, I'm guessing you're dead keen to talk about, about the weekend. <laughs> should we just get this out of the way then? Let's start with with England and Scotland. Um, yeah. It Scotland have rarely played so badly and won a game so entertainingly. Yep. Is my first yeah. take. Yeah. Like, and they knew it as well. Like yeah. <laughs> it was really weird how like everyone in the Scotland camp was remarking on how badly they played on Saturday, even in the sort of delirium of winning that game in such a ridiculous fashion. It was yeah, it was so weird. I think um, yeah, one of the things that that make me think, and I can't believe I'm saying this because this this must be the fourth time in five years I've been saying this. But what I think makes this one different. <laughs> Um, is that like we we weren't good, and in particular, um, Finn Russell was all right. Like mm. I've seen some people saying, "Stop saying he was shit because he was great," and he wasn't. He wasn't either shit or great. He was all right. Whereas historically, in like the twenty twenty one game, the twenty nineteen the draw, um, the twenty eighteen game, like the reason Scotland win is because Finn Russell plays really well and sort of runs everything. Yeah, and he basically has Saturday, a Superman performance. Exactly. And on yeah. Saturday, he very much did not, and we still won. Um, yeah, for 70, odd, for 70 odd minutes, I would say, he was quite bad, mm. <laughs> in fact. And yeah. But for the 10 minutes that he... And, like, and that was clearly England's game plan as well, because, you know, they'd seen this movie before, and they understood that, like, if... Finn played well, then Scotland were very likely to win. Um, but and so, like, you they were clearly trying to get up in his grill for the entire game. Yeah, there was a lot sure. of late nudges and, and yeah. shoulders left hanging and stuff. 
make sure he spends most of the game picking himself up on the deck seemed to be the the plan and it it did work <laughs> for like large portions <laughs> of the like Finn was not very good and like there was that bit where he did that absolutely mad clearance from inside his own in goal that one it was a carbon copy almost of the terrible kick that um that New Zealand did for England to score the try that drew the game, where it was just like a loose kick to absolutely nothing that sort of lands, dies on its ass just inside the 22, and the defence is completely disorganised, and somehow England didn't score a try there. Yeah, yeah, that was another thing that I thought was quite different about Scotland, is that um, we defended inside our own five much better than we normally do. Yeah, and like... I also feel like England's sort of determination to leave one on Finn actually was kind of the reason why you won in the end because like they were both like they were going for him so much that it unsettled the wider defensive shape quite a lot of the yeah. time, particularly when Farrell was going for him. Like, I mean, like a common theme across both teams who debuted new coaching teams this weekend was that a defensive scheme cannot be fully installed in a fortnight yeah <laughs> there were clearly some big bits of detail missing from both Simfields and we'll come on to Mike Forshaw's schemes that you'd hope they'll eventually fix but like the shape was a mess for England for a lot of the time because like Owen Farrell was just seemed preoccupied with putting big hits on Finn to the point where like it regularly created gaps that other players were just like well I'll just run through this then shall I yeah, I mean, no. yeah. Like, who in the England video analysis department thought we'll just not bother checking any URC tape from this year? Mm. Like, I if you'd watched five minutes of Glasgow in the URC, you'd have seen Sione to Peloto and gone, "Oh, we're going to have to do something about that." Yeah, and they don't seem to have at all. No, Hugh Jones' just... try was a carbon copy of the try that he scored for Glasgow against Perpignan in the, the Challenge Cup. Mm. Like, almost word for word perfect other than the fact that Sioni's kick hit the post in the perfect yeah. game and went into the end goal in that one but exactly the same and, and Sioni Tuopoloto did exactly what he's been doing in the URC since August and, and like I, I could have told you that was going to happen I think they it was almost like they looked at him and went Polynesian lad big runs hard probably all we need to worry about and it's like no yeah. no no he can kick and pass as well <laughs> like, yeah there's a lot <laughs> Like yeah, for for all that that loads of people are complaining about England's tackling for Van der Merwe's first try, um, the kick chase and the shape was the problem, not the tackle. Yeah, big time. Like, Duhan Van der Merwe is one hundred and five kilos and real fucking fast. Yeah. So, like, if you want to stop him, your tackling's got to be perfect. And the yeah. the only way to make your tackling perfect is to chase the kick properly and light up. Yeah. Properly. Do not. Do if not. Whatever like you do, are, do not let him get ahead of steam up. Yeah. Like, like if you give him a thirty meter run up, you're not going to stop him. Yeah. Like the box found that on the Lions tour, it's like unless you stop him at source, he is going to make serious meters because he can step in a way that a big man should not be able to step. Yeah, <laughs> and he's you real quick and, and real and heavy. Real quick and, be, and like people are criticised. Yeah, as you say, the England tackling and particularly Don Brandt's attempt at a tackle at the end. And but it's just like as you say, he's like 105 kgs. Like he probably weighs more than Don Brandt. He's running full tilt, tilt, and Don Brandt's trying to sort of do a kind of interception angle. 
where he's nowhere near as quick as him and can't really generate any force. Like just getting anything on him would have been a win. Yeah. And he probably sh- he probably should have gone low, but then it would have been just as easy to step out of it. It was yeah. I mean, you you could see how for his second try, Matt Fagerson gave the ball way too early. Mm. But Matt Fagerson's obviously looked and gone utterly three of them. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. he'll manage. <laughs> but like it, this, the Ben White try was more of a problem for me. With that, it was just like mm. where where is the defense? Oh wait, you've you see for some reason both. Smith and Farrell think that Finn is their man. It's like there's yeah, two centres yeah. there, lads. <laughs> ben White basically had time to pick the ball up at the back of the ruck, stand up, look around, and then realise there was a big gap and run into it. <laughs> yeah, it's it was not... unbelievable. Yeah, it was like a Reese Webb level sort of time dilation in terms of decision making. It was like, I, I can do this thing. Should I do this thing? Yeah, okay, I'll do this. I'll start doing this thing then. I'll go. And now we go. Yeah. And then a try was scored. Yeah. And it was unbelievable. And time and again, it was just like where are these huge holes where the just the alignment was all over the place because <laughs> they spent so much time trying to sort of nail Finn that they forgot that there's another fourteen players on the pitch wearing blue. It was so weird, man. It's gonna be a really, really hideous video session for England oh, yeah. this week. Yeah. Like I wouldn't like to do every that. single one of those tries, particularly the last one to be honest. I know Duan's a big man, but like the, for he should not be scoring in that situation. At the very least you've got to make it hard for him to score in that situation. Yeah. Like but Matt Fagerson easily could have held that ball for another second or two and made it easy for Duhan to score. Yeah he could have get, he just gave him miles away. away yeah. And Duhan's like, yeah all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's go through all these shall we? And it's yeah, it was it was real bad. But yeah. saying that, like I think whatever England's issues are, and they are <laughs> did I did find it very funny that Borthwick said that they were they weren't good at anything after the game, which is, you know, accurate. Yeah. Um yeah. but I do think that like whatever their issues are. It's, I don't think it's got anything to do with this Farrell Smith combo that everyone's like. For some reason, the ten twelve axis has become the twenty twenties version of England's problem number seven jersey, circa two thousand seven to whenever it was that Sam Underhill and Tom Curry came along about two thousand eighteen. Mm. Because like, like when England are shit, England fans neuroses and sort of all of that anger just sort of takes the form of whatever the press and commentators have decided is the issue regardless of everything else. Because like I thought like depressingly, I you know, from a Wales fans perspective, like the blunt and clueless England defence uh, England attack of the last few years looked really fluid at times. And like Yeah, yeah, I don't it, think that they were necessarily bad. They scored three tries. Yeah. And like that second Malins try is like a textbook example of like what England haven't done for the last couple of years, which is kind of Play phase play in the 22 well enough to actually create a mismatch out wide and then just score and it looks quite easy and quite simple but it isn't it's it's just really smart heads up phase playing and good rugby they but England lost that game because their defense is really bad um the line out was a shambles mm-hmm. and I don't understand how that happens when Steve uh, because it appears that Richie Gray's really good again now <laughs> really good again which, like, um, I have absolutely no problem with because I love Richie Gray. So I'm yeah, happy he was up like a salmon, him. wasn't he? But like, 
yeah, ultimately, like Scotland also just felt like doing incredible things against the run of play every time that England seemed to be on the brink of a sit. Like when England scored that try through Genge at the start of the second half, it was like, oh, that, yeah, that felt ominous. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, you know, Scotland just do something mad and score an amazing try. And then they get pegged back. And like, I, 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 we'll get another week now where all the focus is going to be England's midfield. Why does England need a proper 12? You know, who should play 10? And instead, it's like, well, maybe Maratoje should have fucking turned up. Maybe mm-hmm. Jamie George should have turned up. Maybe Alex Dombrandt shouldn't have been so fucking shit. Like, he was not good. He was not like, good. At and, all. and I was worried about him being back because I, I actually really rate Alex Dombrandt. And I thought this could be this could be a time that actually England have got a really quite scary back row, and then he was just not great. Yeah, and also the fact that you can't just pick someone who looks like Tom Curry and expect them to do the same job. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, those are the, those are the reasons that England lost that game, and Scotland, you know, being extremely clinical in in their moments and taking them superbly. Like that's why England lost, not because the Smith fucking Farrell. Thing is, it was the it was the Ford Farrell thing before that. It's just like, are we not just bored of this now? Like, like... yeah, it's. It seems that there's like a big section of people that want Farrell to only be ten and be captain forever, and then another big section that want Farrell to basically never play again. And like, I mean, they're both wrong. Yeah, it's like work something out. It's like demonstrably, Owen Farrell is a very, very good rugby player. Um, he's also a pretty, very, very good twelve as well. <laughs> like as much as, as much as it pains everyone to admit it, he's very good at twelve. He's big enough to play twelve. He's got the skill set to play twelve, and he has played twelve in all of the most coherent England teams of the last eight or nine years. Going speaking back to 2014-15. Speaking of that sort of thing, Blair Kinghorn's a good old fullback, isn't he? <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. Just going to throw that out there. He came on and he was really tidy and did everything right, you know. And like, you know, and to be honest with you, like that Scottish backline in general, I don't know what sort of relationship like Stuart Hogg has with his hairdresser, right? But um. He should spend more time with them because I don't think it's a coincidence that he's like, oh, he's got this sharp trim and he just starts playing like not a complete basket case all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like you've been persisting with that top knot for two years and then and you've been dreadful and then all of a sudden you get yourself a short back and sides and you know just get more haircuts, Hoggy. Honestly, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, uh, no, it's good. And I tell yeah, you what, Kyle Stain got a try assist for that first two hand the river try. <laughs> which is, as a, as a winger, you take that all day long. Absolutely. <laughs> it's all, it's, I mean, whoever's picked him in, in Six Nations Fantasy is going well as points, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is Someone I know had two had as their captain. Oof. I mean, she's, uh, that is lucky. I mean, I felt like he was... He's always a good bet for a try, as do but that's just... I'm always yeah. suspicious about people who put suspiciously good captains on. It's like, yeah. what are you doing there? You're gaming something there, aren't you? Yeah, you're up to something. The other thing that um, that impressed me at the weekend was 
uh, Jamie Ritchie's post-match interview because I'm going to go back to, I'll tell you why this one's going to be different and it's fucking probably not going to be different. But I do get the feeling from this weekend's game that Scotland are kind of getting over the idea that the Calcutta Cup's the only one we need to win. I mean, this about like, time. Yeah. Um, there's no um, there's no Xander going on rugby tonight and saying all the boys kicked the arse out of it this weekend. JB Ritchie made a point of saying, right, yeah, that's week one done. Now we've got another game next week. And that, like, if they can actually back that up with a performance will be the thing that's been missing from the last few years. Well, you know, Scott, like, we joke about it, but, like, Scotland will rarely have a better chance of doing something special in this Six Nations than now. Like, a bonus yeah. point away win in the bag week one and a schedule that generally is quite... like It's certainly set up for a run at the title, if not a Grand Slam. You know, Grand Slam might be a bit of a stretch, but, like, <laughs> I mean... We thought winning in Paris would be a step too far for them in 2021 that they managed to yeah. like, a hilariously silly win there. Like, it's not beyond the realms to go to Paris and win. Certainly with not the way the, the French are looking at the moment. Yep. The thing is, like, last week, what I said was either Scotland will win on Saturday and then we'll lose to that Wales team this weekend and it'll be back to square one and it'll be business as usual, two wins will finish fourth. Or we'll be chasing the title on the last weekend and we'll fuck it out home to Italy <laughs> and we'll still not win and we'll somehow end up third. And like nothing happened this weekend that's made me think either of those is more <laughs> or less likely, to be honest. So, I mean, uh, when we'll come on to Italy later, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's they do like to play spoiler, do the Italians. And yeah, it's. I just, I just look at it. And I just think like, I know you haven't beat Ireland since like 2014 or whatever, like something stupid. But like, yeah. Ireland don't look all that. <laughs> like, despite how good Wales made them look for 20 minutes on when on Saturday, like Ireland still look a bit out of sorts compared to where they were in the summer. You know, Wales is a fucking gimme next week. We're fucking dog shit, and. You know, we're Italy, absolutely I, going to lose to Wales, and like, oh, I'm, no. I've, I'm at peace with it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm abs- like, normally I will broach such silliness, but like, we are a, a fundamentally dysfunctional <laughs> team at the moment, and I don't see us winning away against anybody. I, I don't think we could win away against Italy, which we're going to have to do to not get the wooden spoon this year. <laughs> um, <laughs> and even then, it's more bonus points than we do. But like, yeah, I just think even if you don't get a win in Paris, like if you can just sneak a win against Ireland at home, like surely the title is then whoever can do the most damage to Italy. And hmm. like Italy have shown against France that they will not take damage being done against them lightly at this stage. So like, it's 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 really up in the air. The, th- the thing that I'm absolutely not for a second saying is going to happen because I fully don't believe it's going to happen, um, but is now a possibility, is if by some miracle we can get a bonus point on Saturday, I don't think there's a bonus point in that Ireland-France game which would lead to Scotland going to Paris at the top of the table after the first mm. two rounds. Yeah. Um, there's no way that's happening, just FYI, because we are going to lose to Wales, but it's, oh, it's a mathematical possibility. It is, and I wouldn't bet against it. Like it, and I also wouldn't bet against it from perspective of like going into like 
the French look so out of sorts at the moment that who knows when they're going to wake up from that funk. And who, if they lose against Ireland, who knows if they're really going to fancy it? You know, it's it's a weird one. I just I just think that like sometimes when you win a you know a, a Six Nations, it's it's just about the luck of how the fixtures roll out and how so much of winning a title is about kind of building momentum through like. You know, you've got to spare, you've got to space those big games out a little bit so that you don't get emotionally smashed too early. Because if you just have them all up front, then you or all at the end, it can get a bit much. As as Wales found in twenty twenty one with that sort of big game against France at the end, it was just a bit too much for them, and they couldn't handle the pressure of it. It's absolutely peak Scotland to go to the last week having to beat Italy by five points to win the title and beat them by two. Like, I'd, I'd absolutely believe that's the thing that would happen. I think, I almost think, I genuinely think that it's more likely that you will either lose or not beat Italy at home by enough than it is that you'll lose to Wales on Saturday. Like, by <laughs> some distance. Like, Italy look much more of a team than Wales do at the moment. And... Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, we'll come on to it later, but like, yeah, I can see it. I can see it happening. It's, it's. I don't think. I don't think. I'm not saying it's likely, but I just think like the stars are aligning in a way that stars sometimes align for teams to win stuff. And yeah. I don't think that Scottish fans should be. You know, you, you probably Scotland do still need to get good though. Because like we, we yeah, were I was going to say that thing. Scotland weren't great themselves, but they showed that even when they're not playing great, they can still score some absolutely sensational tries and close out a game away from home against a, I would say a hostile crowd. It wasn't particularly hostile. Didn't seem uh, that way, did it? <laughs> again, we'll come on. To Unless that. you saw those guys in the video at the end. Yeah, he was hostile. Um, <laughs> shall we talk about Wales versus Ireland now then? Because. Uh, would you like to? Do you feel ready? <laughs> <laughs> like, Ireland are a team now, right, where unless you're, like, physically absolutely on it, it's a bad afternoon. Like, it doesn't even matter if they're, like... No, Genuinely, at no point did Ireland even look like hitting the heights of an 8 out of 10 on Saturday. Like, they were, like, solidly vacillating between a five and a seven and and yet because certainly compared to what they did against New Zealand in the summer some distance off that in terms of intensity in terms of precision in terms of the way that they're attacking was set up which obviously massively missing Gibson Park in that regard and I won't send for a second that the first half wasn't a mess but like People are acting like Wales haven't had ugly games against Ireland in the Six Nations before, and we have. And I'm ge- I'm genuinely probably I'm not that doom and gloom about this game. Like, it was a bad result. It was an ugly result. It's a terrible day at the office. But like, yeah, I'm I'm quite used to that sort of thing happening. If you don't turn up and physically compete with Ireland at the game line, in terms of their forwards carrying, then they will just keep sending runners round the corner until you concede a penalty. And then they will kick it into your 22 and then they will keep sending runners around the corner until they score a try. You can see the penalty and they'll have another go. Yeah. And and there are very few teams that can, like probably South Africa, England, France are the 
and, and the All Blacks on a good day are probably the only teams that can genuinely just go like, no, we're not having a great game, but we'll we can we can stop that at source. It's fine. That and... that first Ireland try, I don't think I've rarely seen something be that predictable two minutes into a game. Yeah, it was like, like oh, this is. A try I could have told you within yeah. about fifteen seconds that that was going to end in a try, and it yeah. did. I like it. It's and I, was, and you know, I wasn't even like, oh, it's a try. I was like, oh yeah, look, there's that try that's been coming yeah. since basically kickoff. Yeah, and it's like it was a like Kel Surprise Gatland in a fortnight is not able to fix three years of being physically outmatched up front in every sense against Ireland because we have been pretty much. I saw even in that game where. Ireland had a man sent off. Like Ireland physically dominated Wales to the point where they nearly lost that game in Cardiff two years ago. Like the, the, we, they knew exactly what to do to beat Wales, and it's, it's worked since twenty twenty. It's worked since Gatland left, and Ireland are better at it probably now than any other team in the world at doing that sort of relentless and the sort of unyielding smashing of forwards over the game line until you make a mistake thing. And it's not enough to beat big teams, but it's enough to beat bad teams. Easy. And Wales are a bad team. And it was just <laughs> like, yeah, all right. They they won the game after 20 minutes. And it was everything after that is kind of moot, really, for everybody's talking about like how much better Wales were in the second half. And they were. And their line speed was much better. And Ireland were worse. But like, does it, like they'd already won the game by that point. Does it really matter? Yeah. I think for like for as much as uh, Scotland rely on Finn Russell and we got away with hanging on to a game while Finn wasn't playing very well on Saturday, mm. uh, for a completely different way and a completely different reason, Wales rely quite a lot on Tulupe Falatau and he was not great on Saturday and Wales didn't get away with it. Because yeah. when you're playing a team like Ireland, you need Falatau. And he just wasn't, he was a bit anonymous, I thought, on Saturday afternoon. He wasn't, he was thinking, I mean, Falter somehow made 21 tackles on Saturday. How? Oh, exactly. Um, but, like, it's rare that players as experienced and good as bigger Falatau and Tipperick all have possibly their worst ever game in a red jersey at the same time on the same day. <laughs> but they did, like... Tips was anonymous until the time came for him to do something either shithousey apparently or um wrong and <laughs> then instantly got hooked after making two howlers in about 30 seconds. Falatau is the guy getting run over off first phase for both of the first two Irish tries where it's like I you do not see, like it doesn't matter who it is running at him, you do not see Falatau get steamrolled. And he just, cl- just was not up for it, and he let James yeah. Ryan completely run over him, and he let, and it's just, and yeah, and you don't see that very often. You you no. never see that from Falato. I can't help but think the Cardiff Blues have ruined him, to be honest. <laughs> but um, and yeah, biggest decision making in the particularly once Wales got into the Irish twenty two was so like twitchy and so like. <laughs> Desperate to make something happen, particularly after he threw that interception, which was obviously a terrible, you know, decision. Anyway, it felt like he was forcing it so much from that point on, and Wales were forcing it so much from that point on that, like every you know, they they got in, they were they had more entries into the twenty-two than Ireland did, and the stuff yeah. that they were doing between the the twenty-twos 
was re- was some of the best stuff that Wales have played in the last couple of years. It was really fluid. There was players running good angles. There was penetration out wide. There was penetration through the middle. But as soon as it got into twenty two, there was this tightness and this desperation to score a try. And like that bigger getting hauled down and not knowing whether to pass or reach for the line or just uh, and then just getting turned over was just emblematic of everything that was wrong with Wales on Saturday. It was like they they did not know. They, they they still don't know what they're supposed to be doing. I think it's, they've had this system in for two weeks. Yeah, it's like it's understandable that they maybe don't know the finer points of it yet. But like basic shit went wrong. Yeah, yeah. And it, Take this from uh, a Scotland fan: like if you're going to get five times, not just inside the twenty-two, but inside the five, and not get any points from any of them. It's a long fucking day. <laughs> like, yeah. And that, and like, for various reasons, with penalties conceded, with turnovers, with getting held up over the line, it happened to Wales a lot on Saturday. And it must be, you know, and it must be said, Craig, you know, Irish defence, as soon as the Wales got in on the Irish five metre line, was brutal and relentless and made Wales work for every single inch. But, Wales were getting over the game line and Wales were getting close to the line and then they were just making bad decisions when the moment came to actually do the thing. Like, I understand Jack Morgan going for the line when he did, but it was like, Jack, you could have just gone... Like, you didn't need to go for the line there. You could have just (laughs) recycled that ball and then it probably gets scored a phase later. And instead, you get held up and it's, you know, another chance gone. All of this sort of stuff. And like this is what people are talking about. Oh, you know, Wales should make widespread changes for the Scotland game, and it's like I get why people want to see widespread changes because it was a terrible performance. But like, and yeah, if it's as bad this week as it was last week, well, the Six Nations is completely gone now. So. I guess it's time for Gats to kind of... And also, the old guard are clearly not up to what Gats wants them to do. Yeah, if I was looking for positives, I would say the the young players played well for a lot longer than the older players did. Yeah, they did. And this is the the problem that Wales are in now. You know, he strongly implied that, you know, (laughs) if he'd been in charge, a lot of these guys that have got like four or five caps would have like 15, 20 caps by now. Yeah. And the fact that they haven't is a problem. And as a result, he's got to stick with what he's been left with, which is broadly a bunch of old cunts that might still have enough left in the tank to ride it to the end of November. But there's the real way I guess he can find out is by seeing how they cope in the Six Nations and seeing if they... But there's no point in kind of going, well, fuck it, let's just chuck, chuck all the kids in now because the old guys are past it, because it's like, well, what are they going to learn from getting battered for the next five weeks and then get into the World Cup with six caps instead of four or eight caps instead of fucking three or whatever? You know, it's like it's, there's not they're not learning enough experience-wise between now and the World Cup to make a difference yeah. when really they could do with just being around people who've been there and done it enough to kind of offset the lack of experience elsewhere, and yeah, it's I it's I get it, and I, I I understand why people are so upset about how bad Saturday was, and it was fucking dreadful. I didn't literally didn't enjoy a second of it. Um, 
even the try was miserable because Liam Williams scored it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I just think that there's so much work to be done in kind of getting the belief and confidence back into this squad anyway, that like, you might as well, you know, show faith with the players that they're going to come good eventually, you know, like at least don't sort of start dropping players left and right. And then players all of a sudden get worried about their places and get worried about being dropped, which was kind of one of the biggest fucking problems of the Pivac era anyway. Like you might as well just keep the faith of what you've got for the six nations. If we get the wooden spoon, we get the wooden spoon. Literally nobody's going to remember it. If, they get a quarter final in the World Cup. You know, <laughs> it's like it's it's a classic knee jerk reaction to say you want one players dropped, but the the problem is clearly with the system. Yeah, and so you don't fix that by trying the same system with different players two mm. weeks in a row. You try you you fix that by using the same system and the same players and letting them get used to it. Yeah, exactly. You know, let Mike Forkshaw have another week with the ones in defence and maybe some of those you know, maybe the line speed won't be such a fucking shambles in the first half next week, maybe it will I don't know um, you know, maybe the shape will be maybe they will make better decisions next week in the 22 yeah. instead of I going will say miracle a ball. few times uh, in defence, whoever it was and it was a couple of different players who were gunning out of the line weren't making the first up tackles, and if no. you're going to send, if you're going to send some one person gunning out of the line, they have to make the hit because otherwise you've you've left a huge fucking hole. Yeah, so exactly. That's something that needs fixed. Um, yeah. Also, is Andrew Porter like Professor X or something? Because I don't understand how he managed to concede six penalties, two of which were stonewall yellow cards, and just got away with everything. Yeah, it's remarkable. It's not even a criticism; just fair play to him. Absolutely yeah. played Carl Dixon like. Because he looks like someone's stuck a balloon pump in Hornswoggle, so he's clearly got that <laughs> leprechaun magic. Uh, but yeah, you know, credit to Ireland. They did what they needed to do, and they did it in a re- incredibly efficient sort of we are using exactly as much effort as we need to use to do, win this game with the most points, and then we're going to not do any more. Yep. And That's it, we're done. Yeah. And a lot of people have been, you know, sort of saying like, "Is that is, you know, just what they were doing?" But also, it's like, when was the last time Ireland actually got above like third gear? And I think it's probably New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And it's all well and good, just not expending unnecessary energy, right? But it's like, like there might come a point where you might forget how to do it. Yeah, yeah. What happens when you next have to do it? Which might yeah, be Saturday for all. Well, it might be France, exactly. And it certainly will be Scotland or England where they'll have to do that. Or if not, it will fucking definitely be the World Cup. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, kind of, I get it. You don't want to, you know, Ireland are a relentlessly efficient machine in every way, shape and form. But it's like, it might be nice to kind of try opening it up a little bit yeah. before the World Cup comes just to make sure you still can. Anything else from you from Wales and No, I think we covered pretty much everything. Um I'm I'm kinda like you. Um if I was Welsh I wouldn't be sky is falling. Like no, I'm I Scottish and I'm not not I'm not like woohoo three five points because I don't think it's gonna be that easy. Um I no, would st- I'm the same as you, I'd stick with it. I think it's it's you know, if anything else, it's like Wales are you know, it's it's revealed the true 
scale of the task that Gatland has ahead. And you know, it's 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 the case with both Borthwick and Gatland. It's like those results on the weekend show that you know this will not be a, you know, England will not be a quick fix for yeah. any for anybody, and certainly not for Borthwick. Like and Wales, despite everything that he does and knew and how familiar he is with the setup and the players and all that sort of stuff, like there's a hell of a lot of vandalism being done to Welsh rugby and that Wales team in the last three years, and it's it's it might not be fixed by the time the World Cup is you know <laughs> comes around. It might well be that both England and Wales are bad at this World Cup, and it's quite chastening. But like. To be honest with you, like we've got everybody's got to start thinking about more important things, like more sort of long term things than just whatever's yeah. going to happen in the World Cup in nine months now, because neither England nor Wales are going to win it. So let's not worry about that. <laughs> like, what's <laughs> what's the best best that can happen? A quarter final, maybe a semi final if you're lucky. All right, great. But like the the bigger the real quiz to quote the office uh, <laughs> is is what happens after the World Cup, I think, for both Wales and, and England. So I just... Yeah. They're I both quite expect- long contracts, aren't they? Yeah, well, let's think... Yeah, like Gatlin's on for a year with an option of taking him through to, I think, after the Australia World Cup. So it's, it's yeah. a long old fucking contract um, if he wants it. But like, yeah, I, I, I know people expect me to have a big old rant whenever Wales do stuff, but I'm just... I wasn't that... I wasn't that surprised. And I'm not that bothered. Like, I'm not that sort of gutted about it because it's like well yeah what is what did you expect really it's like people forget that we're, in 2008 that first game against England Wales were fucking bobbins for about 60 minutes of that game but England were just somehow in the second half some of the worst rugby England have ever played that allowed Wales to win that game and then they kind of built momentum and went on to win that Grand Slam um you know, for, it's it's kind of a bit of a false narrative that Gats was this kind of like instant miracle worker guy. It was just like confidence and momentum that carried them through to 2008. And then they weren't really a proper good team probably until 2011, 2012, really. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll, it, 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 it all takes time. Don't worry yeah. about it. Although, thanks to the insanity of the ranking system and how early the pools are decided and stuff, we have got all five of the top five teams in the world in the same side of the draw for the World Cup. So anything can happen for Wales and England. That is the flip side of it, is that if Gatlin can somehow make Wales good by the World Cup, that side of the draw looks real, real generous now. Yeah. (laughs) Like you're basically not playing a proper team until the final. Yeah. And, and every, the thing is, every the thing is, everyone on our side of the draw in, is thinking that as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> we could get. Yeah. Imagine, imagine going to a World Cup where you've got an entire side of the draw where the most settled contender of a team is Argentina. <laughs> like, because that's what's happening. Let's, it is. Like, that's let's the, not yeah. be shy about it. Yeah. No, it's it's that whole decision that they made after COVID to just like make the finishing positions of the 2019 World Cup, the seedings for the 2023 World Cup was it, it was understandable I guess at the time but it felt it, it's become increasingly madder and let's never do that again 
Uh, that is Wales and uh, and Italy. Uh, was Wales and I wish it was Wales and Italy, Wales and Ireland. Um, <laughs> although, let's face it, Italy versus France. Um, what a fun game! Mm-hmm. What a enjoyed joyously that a lot. hilarious game. Um, there were a lot of people in Cardiff on Saturday afternoon sort of pining for Sean Edwards and be like, oh, we should never have let him go. Look at the state we're in, you know, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I wonder if they were still thinking that on Sunday evening <laughs> because yeah. like, never in his long career, as he said after the game, has he presided over a team that ships 18 penalties in a game. Yep. <laughs> to combine that if with If it had been for Stephen Varney taking a full shit with his clothes on, mm-hmm. Italy would have won that game. Big time. Like, people have said... And- and 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 also Tommy Allen. Yeah, um, yeah, two frankly bullshit <laughs> kicks from Tommy yeah. Allen at the end. Like, and that was the thing. Like, France at half time were cruising, right? That, that that looked because of you know mainly Italy spending the first half doing comedy things to lose them games. Um, nothing about it looked like anything other than a sort of comprehensive, easy French bonus point win. Yeah, then, I think after their second try, I said this is going to get really ugly for Italy, and then it somehow didn't. Same. No, and then somehow I, I went out and got the car washed, and I was listening to it in the car, and then I was I sort of I was like, oh, hang on, I shouldn't, I should not have gone out so quickly. <laughs> God damn it! And then by the time I came back, it, they'd scored the second try, and it was like, oh, this is this, all of a sudden. Italy looked like they fancied this, and France looked like they thought they'd already won. Which, eighteen penalties, man, yeah, and so many of bad. them stupid, so many of them fundamentally thick. Yeah, like really, a lot of Wales' like... penalties were thick on the weekend, particularly all the ones where they were constantly on their hands, crawling on their hands and knees over the rock trying to get over the ball. They were the real. So I thought I wouldn't see dumber, but so many of those French penalties were like cosmically thick. Yeah, yeah, like St- Stephen Vardy having to be told. On uh, Sunday afternoon, all right, I get it. Stop trapping them there. Like yeah. I, I'm going to ping them for it anyway. I don't need you to lie over them and point it out to me. No, it's like we know they're like we don't know. I don't know why they're not learning it, but they, for some reason they don't <laughs> think they need to roll away. And look, I've been sort of saying for a while now that like France have not looked themselves since the Six Nations, and like. The injuries to key players that they've now they they were all right they were good against the Springboks in the autumn but not brilliant and nobody else was really there to challenge them in any meaningful way they nearly lost to Australia it was <laughs> and the the injuries that they've got you just think that's, they've had such consistent selection over the last couple of years they've always been able to rely on certain players when they, and it's just like they're not you know. No Dante's massive, no Mocky's massive. Like yeah, they, miss, they miss Villiers the more. They miss Villiers more than they because he was such a little bastard when he came on to, you know, just like this tiny little man who was just unbelievably hard and unbelievably quick. Won them games. And they're they're losing a lot of these players for big chunks of time to really serious injuries as well. Yeah, big like, time. It what it would worry me if I was French how they're gonna Cope even come the World Cup because I mean, Dante's done what has he done ACL, MCL, or ACL, PCL, which is huge, something like that. Villiers yeah. broken his tibia, 
Yeah, like these are not like training? fucking around injuries. No, they're not, and they're they're big rehab injuries and they're big injuries where it's like it could take you six months to a year to feel even after your back to feel proper again. And you know, France are not like you know, France does they demonstrated on the weekend they're not short of good wingers, but Villar was is almost unique in what he is as a winger mm. because like he's so small yet he's so powerful and so strong and he's so good over the ball that he was like an auxiliary flanker out wide yeah. and won so many turnovers for France in that Grand Slam thing and they just you can't replace that because that doesn't like that profile of player the <laughs> tiny fast incredibly strong winger who's great over the ball doesn't exist as a player profile yeah. It's basically in... him and Darcy Graham and nobody else. Yes, exactly. With a with a, a Susan of Cheslin Colby, but he doesn't spend that much time competing over the ball. Yeah. And yeah, you just don't find those players. And I, I, I just think they they look a worse team than they were twelve months ago. And their players are obviously still class. Dupont is still fucking class. And Smack is still class. They're all still fucking class. They're all still probably, you know, they're they're never not going to be within a shout winning the Six Nations and winning the World Cup in the next few years. But it does feel like they crested a bit yeah. of a wave last year and they're they're a little bit out of sorts at the moment. And yeah. I just think yeah, they're gonna have to stop doing stuff like throwing up a line out jumper early over the line out. Like yeah. that, that was several kinds of real fucking dumb all in one go. <laughs> Um, yeah, you just can't do I like uh, this obsession with keeping Tom Ramos at fullback. It's like Jaminé was just as good a goal kicker, could kick it much further down the line, which was a, and also was about seven hundred percent more sensible. Yeah, and remains seven hundred percent more sensible. And it's just like, could you not just like what, what, I, it wasn't broke? It felt like it wasn't broken yet. They've just yeah. gone well. <laughs> See if we can fix this anyway. And I just I just don't like it. I've got bad vibes about France right now. And I just think Italy should have won that game. As many have said, in a couple of years, Italy would win that game because they will yeah. have a bit more experience. If, you know, if yeah. uh, Tommy Allen wasn't playing, they'd probably have won that game. Italy have been within a score and challenging to win and in one case did win in back-to-back games against the defending champions. Now, Wales yep. obviously didn't look like defending champions by the time they played them, but they no. were. It's true. And France yeah. are defending champions. And, and like, when have Italy ever been that close after 75 years? No. Never indeed. mind play the champions twice in a row. Italy are, the, you know, the World Cup favourites by some distance at the moment, you know. <laughs> They're nobody's gimme game anymore. Like, people have become, over the last sort of five or ten years, like... Everyone's just sort of got used to thinking Italy home or away is guaranteed five points, and like <laughs> that's certainly in Rome. But I would, you know, anywhere like Italy are now nobody's gimme. Then, like in Rome, it's going to be you'd be lucky to get out there with a win. I don't, I mean, unless you're England, probably because England just seem to beat them all the fucking time, it's really boring. But for everybody else, like it's going to be. They mean business now. And that's How why. injured is Garbisi? Uh, I think he might be back by now. He's basically fit, but they just didn't want to risk him. Yeah. So that is that would be huge. 
Well, if I was Italy now, I was looking at I'd be looking at Twickenham and thinking we could have them. Yeah, I fancy <laughs> like, that. <laughs> that would be something like, new. Yeah, Capuzzo looks he's getting better every single game. Yeah, that like how did he start of... so good and still be getting better? <laughs> still be getting better. It's mad, isn't it? Well, he's, he's now a, a, like a prick with it as well. That's yeah. sort of he's he's sort of ascended to a higher plane where he understands how good he is, and he's a cocky little arsehole with it as well, which I think is <laughs> is probably the exact correct trajectory for a player of his profile to be doing. But like, yeah, you look at that Italy pack and you just think, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Like, yeah, there's some nasty bastards in there. Horrible bastards all over the place and off the bench as well. Mm. It's like, and I'll tell you, another one is Brex as well. Yeah, he's a real nasty wanker as well. <laughs> and I think that is the because like Italy's attack is sort of like this. It's extremely chaotic. It doesn't make a lot of sense, and obviously, like Garbisi's kind of makes it tick a lot better than. Tommy Allen does. But like you can sort of do anything when you've got that many horrible bastards in your team that yeah. you're just getting over the game line, you're causing you're making people make double tackles on you and space appears and then you throw in some fleet footed lunatic like Capuzzo in there and tries apparently happen and it's great. Yeah. That was a great finish as well. It was a fantastic finish. He's he's making a habit of those now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, other than other than one quite dog shit kick, I thought Brex played really well. And like, yeah, he did. He was he was over the game line, I think, pretty much every time he got it. Yeah, and he's he's just he's the sort of player that in a in a lesser Italy team he would be a sort of problem because he's extremely route one, and he's not particularly sophisticated. As a, and if there were like three of him in the back line, it would be like, well, <laughs> this this team cannot score any tries because they just all they know how to do is run straight and hard. But because they've got, you know, players like Menoncello, who's fun and young, and you know, and obviously they've got Caputo at the back, and they've got Padovani, and they've got all these kind of players around him that can make stuff happen. It's like, oh yeah, you you can have you can afford an incredibly unsubtle lump of pure fucking hate in your centres because everything around him just kind of buzzes around it in quiet. And to be honest with you, as much as Varney was a lunatic at times, he's like a really good nine for that as well because he's just a constant buzz of chaotic, yeah. not entirely controlled got- energy. In the in the forwards that they didn't have before is the engine to get over him as well because mm. like Italy a year or two ago if Brex was doing that would have broken the game line made four or five meters and then been on his own and got turned over yeah yeah whereas yeah. more often than not on Saturday, on Sunday there was a forward fast enough to get over the ball yeah once he got Lamar. tackled Lamaro man fuck me he's good yeah like unbelievable <laughs> like it's it's very it's 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 Everyone knows he's good now, but like you're reminded every time you see him, it's like he's like 23, 24 years old or something, and he is that good. And he's got like 20 caps now. Mm. It's he's, yeah, who needs Sergio? Eh? 
And Negri, every time I watch Negri play, I'm just like, God, yeah, he's tight. I forget. I don't know why, but I just keep forgetting how good he is. And then you see him mm. go, oh, wait, no, he is. Like, he's real fucking good. And you've got, they've got players like Pelledri to come back. And it's like, yeah. yeah, well, in the squad, but sort of, it's like, he was a, a nailed on first name in the team sheet starter a couple of years ago before his injury problems. And like, that level of quality coming off the bench for them is kind of, it's unheard of. It's like not since the days of Troncon, <laughs> yeah, of, of Italy sort of had depth like this. Possibly, maybe never. Really, it's crazy. I like it. It's good. Me too. Yeah, well, I like it now. <laughs> I would like it if it costs yeah, how much? six nations in a month. I'll yeah, not be between there. We'll, we'll see how you, when they come to Murrayfield how much you like them, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not looking forward to going to Rome last week. I think that's going to be a bad times for Wales. But, uh, you know, we're used to it. We're used to losing to Italy now. It's kind of our thing. <laughs> uh, anything else from the Italy game then? No, I don't think so. Cool. Well, was I don't that? think France will give away that many penalties again. I won't say that. No, I will. I should fucking hope not. Uh <laughs> And with that, we should. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Edwards had cancelled their flight and booked the bus back to Paris so he could <laughs> shout at them the whole way. I wouldn't be surprised if they booked some of those e-scooters and he's just like, no, you can scoot, you can scoot <laughs> back. Oh well, that shall be uh, the weekend then, and we should welcome back our uh, our non-paying customers. To uh, we had a nice chat about everything that happened over the weekend there. Uh, Johnny was very enthusiastic. I was, I level with you. I was more enthusiastic than I thought I'd be. Yeah, I was. A, I, I, when I got into it, I, I wasn't nearly as down about everything as I thought. When I, I rewatched Ireland and Wales yesterday, thinking I'd better think of something positive to say, I'd struggled watching the first half, but you you seemed to do a lot better than I thought. So you know, I right? I genuinely, yeah, the young lads. I, I thought shape wise, Wales looks better than they have in ages. <laughs> In, <laughs> in the second half, and it was like, and even bits of the first half as well, like they, they were actually getting into the 22 quite well, and it was a, a pleasant surprise and one that I genuinely never expected. Um, speaking of the Six Nations, though, on the weekend, uh, as you know, we are teaming up with Fanzo uh, to do a little predictor game. The Six Nations, I forgot where I am after this week, not, not do very well, I don't think. Uh, I, I weird. I think I got all three results this weekend, which is I got all three results. But I don't think I was very close on any of them. Um, I'll have a look in our blood. We've got a blood, and we've got. I'm thirtieth in the blood and blood league. I'm eighteenth at the moment. Yeah, so you can download the Fanzo app from the App Store and uh, play the Guinness Point Predictor game. You can win points, give points. Um, currently, Andy Finn, England fan, is uh is top in the table with fifty six points alongside uh. Ireland fan Ames also with 56 points. Uh, who else is in the top? Uh, got Keith Taylor and Kat McArdle, both again. Well, some perfect scores here. Fair play to you. But I always impress people get perfect scores. I usually yeah, get results too. right, but I never get perfect scores. And that is why I am down in 18th. Joint, joint. 18th with Mary Williams is ahead of me, friend of the pod, Mary Williams, because she's uh, she got a perfect score. Fair play to her. Um, but yeah, we've got a good. I don't know how many people we've got in our league now. I'm sure it'll say. I'm having to go quite far down to find Lee. 
Yeah, he's historically usually really bad at this, and then he'll get a perfect score one week, and then he'll be ahead of me. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Then. 277 <laughs> people in our league at the moment. So if you want to come and join us, uh, download the Fanzer app, search for Blood and Mud uh, on the old uh, Pint Predicted League and join us and, and get your predictions in and win points. Um, but now we're going to predict what's going to happen this weekend. Round two of the Guinness Six Nations. Is it the Guinness Six Nations? It is. I think it is. It's the Guinness Guinness Pint Predictor app, so you would... Yeah, let's call it the Guinness Six Nations. It'll give them some free sponsorship. Um, It is the Guinness Six Nations, because that's what the Fantasy League's called. It is. Good. I don't know why I doubt myself. I I, I doubt myself. I was like, I'm sure (laughs) I saw a Guinness logo on the field on the weekend, but I doubted myself. Um, Ireland-France is the first one up then on Saturday. Who are you having? Ireland. I'm also Ireland by going six. On. I was going to say Ireland by five. But I think, yeah, it feels Irelandy. Okay, well, Ireland it. Uh, 4.45pm at BC Murrayfield then. Scotland, Wales. Money where your mouth is. Are you allowing your negativity to get in the way of common sense here? Scotland by eight. Fuck it. <laughs> I had Scotland by twelve, and yeah, uh, yeah I think so. We'll, uh, and then finally, uh, England Italy on Sunday. England by twelve. I know. I really don't want it to be, but it's going to be. No, England, it's going to be England by two to three scores. I said England by seventeen. Um, that much. I think it's going to be a little bit closer. I think it will be close until roughly 20 minutes before the end and then England will just score some annoying tries and it'll be... Yeah, that actually feels crucially familiar now you mentioned. <laughs> it all feels better. Like, I know I've said that you can't let pass form judge your predictions when it comes to Scotland and Wales, but I think in the case of England-Italy, it's just there's too much baggage there. Surely, surely it's going to be a comfortable England win. Surely? Funny if it isn't, though. Real it would be hilarious. Yeah, like I'm, I ha- would enjoy that I'm happy to take the hit on. Uh, the yeah, if league. I end up 140th in the league, but Italy <laughs> beat England, I'll be I'll be dancing. I will not I'll turn a, down a free fight against yeah, for that. That will not put a dent in my weekend whatsoever. <laughs> no, indeed. Um, so there we are then. Uh, now all that's left is for us to do some shits and some goods. Um, I'll start with shits, and I will say, and we've mentioned it already. Tommy Allen. Yep. If it was just the missed kick at goal that would have made any of those late pens that France conceded a kick to win the game, I'd forgive him. If it was just completely fucking up the kick to the corner at the end, making a catch and drive impossible, I'd forgive him. But to do both of them and then to do one of them twice. Yeah. I, yeah. Like that's, I, that's the, it's the fact he got that first one and he arsed it up. And then they had another go. Like, felt sorry for him and went, all right, fine. Do yep. you know what? You can have 20 metres, try again. And he's yeah. fucking arsed up the next yep. one as well. It's, to do it once oh. is a mistake. To do it twice is... It's one of the most comprehensive, like, game-losing performances I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, he and did everything is, in his power to lose that In game. the first half, he had Real an good. enormous penalty that he put into, yeah. like, the two-metre line from, like, it was like every- halfway. It was like everything about him just flipped and he just lost the run of himself in every way, shape and form. And it was real ugly. 
Um, but yes, I mean, it happens, I suppose. He's definitely Tommy yeah. Allen again now, though. Not Tommaso. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Any shit. That was a, that was a Tommaso Allen first half of Tommy Allen second half. Fucking right, it was. It really was. Uh, any shits from you? Um, yeah, like we all know that Duhan van der Merwe is not Scotty. Just because you're upset that he absolutely spanked you for two tries doesn't mean you have to go around telling everyone again. I'm fucking sick of doing it. Like anyone's going to go, oh shit, you're right. Better chalk those tries off. We know. <laughs> Actually, yeah, cancel Scottish rugby. There's a load of South Africans have got in here. We need to close. <laughs> we need to shut the place down for fumigation. Somehow, a bunch of South Africans have got into the team. Alan Aussie, what the hell? It's like <laughs> they haven't done it on purpose or something. Metal. Yeah. Uh, like... Gary Yeah, it's it's real stupid. Like I, like it's funny to make fun of at times, but like it's not like everyone else doesn't do it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's not like most other teams in world rugby, especially Wales, would not be dramatically better right now if they could have found some massive South Africans to come and play for them. Scotland weren't even the only country with two Antipodean wingers this weekend. (laughs) Like, James Lowe and Mac Hansen are are both from down under as well, so just fucking sharp. It's... Everyone's doing it, literally everybody. And if they're not doing it, they should be. They're stupid. Like, <laughs> get over it. It's not a big deal. Also, like England have been playing with a bunch of fucking residency qualified players for years, just because they yeah. know most of them have fallen out of the squad. Doesn't mean that it's any less ridiculous. Yeah, Eng- England snatched an actual All Black away from New Zealand to to come and bring <laughs> him up to be an England player, and they decided after about three games that they didn't give like him. Three caps, like. <laughs> Just because we pick better ones than you, yeah, go over it. England nearly caused an international incident over that, you know. And like the New Zealand Rugby Union complained to like World Rugby and everything. And look how shit Brad Shields has been. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's it's not it's not Scotland's fault that most of the South Africans that they've picked up have been pretty bloody good. Some of them have been terrible. Yeah, there's been but plenty like, of shit ones. And the thing is, like, Duhan was shit when we picked him up. He just he just failed a medical in France and was, like, basically on the verge of dropping out of professional rugby. Yeah. Like, it's not like we took a ready-to-go fresh-from-the-oven springbok and made him Scottish. No, exactly. It's, it, this isn't the Brad Shield situation where it's literally, if he stays in the country for a minute longer, he's going to get capped. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's the basically James... like, put him in a suitcase and sneak him out in the middle of the night. <laughs> it's the same with James Lowe. It's like, James Lowe came to... Ireland because they basically were like you are too fucking slow to play for the All Blacks well yep. and you know he's proved everybody wrong <laughs> you know and, and exactly and hardly know this unlike Wales with Johnny McNichol yeah Johnny McNichol he was too small, slow to play for the All Blacks he's also too slow to play for Wales he's he's too slow to play <laughs> for anybody but you've got yeah, it's 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 a it's just a, such a low effort sort of dig after a loss, you know. Yeah. It's like, uh, can you not think of something more original and interesting to be arsy about, like that guy getting pissed off at his own fans after the game? Yeah, honest. yeah, be more like that guy. Yeah, or uh, be guy. be like Mike Brown getting really upset at uh, Finn shithousing Owen Farrell. <laughs> yeah, as if you wouldn't do the same and not worse, Mike. <laughs> awful bastard. <laughs> um, 
throwing it out to the listeners then. Uh, Garrett Bad on Twitter says, uh, shit is Wales' scrum. How can a tight five with four Ospreys who've dominated everyone they've played so far in Europe be so bad? Um, I mean, the biggest problem is that they've only <laughs> they've only got four of the five Ospreys. Uh, they should start picking Nicky Smith, who's the only one of that group that is actually a destructive scrummager, but they won't for some reason. So the Welsh Very come weird. I don't get it because it's like he's demonstrably the best scrummaging prop in Wales and one of the best scrummaging props in Europe. And everyone in France and England wants him because he's out of contract at the end of the season. Because obviously he's, and he's also really good in the loose. He's brilliant over the ball. Like, I, I genuinely don't understand why successive Wales coaches have just gone, no, nah, I don't like the look of him. Yeah, no, it's really, so really weird. weird. I don't understand it. Mm. Uh, Joe Taring says, shit. <laughs> it turns out the one curry is not interchangeable with another. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Fact. England needed a punchy madras at seven and had to make do with a korma. I mean, it is. it has a real energy of, well, I need a Tom Curry type player in here. So. Ben, I mean, he <laughs> yeah. looks the part, and he does. To be fair to him, he does look the part to the, to the level where I genuinely forgot he was Ben at one point, at several points. Yeah, at least that's Yeah, and I was like, why is Tom Curry so fucking shit all of a sudden? Oh, oh, right, yeah, it's his brother. Never mind. Um, <laughs> it must be annoying because it must be annoying to be that sort of physically close to your twin brother in terms of just like you're literally like carbon copies of one another yet your brother is just demonstrably better at rugby than you yeah. are by quite yeah. a especially when they play for the same team it's yeah. like really annoying yeah. it's like oh you oh yeah you're literally identical to me yet somehow you have some sort of like un un sort of quantifiable thing that makes you at least a 25% better rugby player than I ah oh. Yeah, that's got a sting. Uh, Graham Golvin says, shit is the ongoing shambles surrounding Siobhan Cattigan. Yeah, so you really need to grip on this and do the right thing. Honestly, they'll turn turn up to, you know, the seats will turn up in public to sort of get the plaudits when Scotland win the Calcutta Cup, but will be hiding behind their desk (laughs) the rest of the time. And it's just... It's fucking gross, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Dude, fact that they cancelled the right. meeting last week uh, yeah. that they put in because it was too close to the Six Nations. Like, what is your CEO yeah. actually doing the week yeah. of the Six Nations? Yeah. He's, he's he's not holding a tackle back, is yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. He's not down there <laughs> running the water or anything. Like, I think you can give him half an hour. Yeah, it, it's just... I, I, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it's such a bad look for the SRU and for Scottish rugby in general. And every week passes where they don't acknowledge it and they try to get around it makes them look worse. Like what advice are they getting? No, I would say not none. engage with it. <laughs> Bad legal advice. Yeah. Ugh. Well this is the same council who said, yeah, pretty sure you can sue the weather, let's give it a bash. So like their track <laughs> record's not great. Uh Moving on then, Ollie Galloway says, good, is she only through Pilotto? Yes. And uh, is Lauren Hill tattoo? Yes. Yeah, oh, like... he loves Lauren Hill. Obviously, he's got a giant <laughs> yeah. tattoo of her. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? Uh, James Adams said, as Adamson says, good, is England scoring a couple of tries with sustained phase play against a stubborn defence? At least that was progress. Uh, yeah, agreed. 
Yeah. It's, I genuinely think England look better than they probably have in years on attack on Saturday. I don't like it. I hate it, in fact. Yeah, no, I'm not but, a fan. And that's, that's what I liked a lot about this game, is that there was no controversial refereeing decisions. There was no penalty no. try. There was no like Finn masterpiece. And actually, we weren't even that good, and we still just managed to beat them. So I'm a bit like, whole, oh, we actually just won that game. The whole weekend, really. Like aside from some minor, you know, stuff about like the Liam Williams sending off and the um, the shit housing on him when he scored the try, there wasn't really anything in the. Ireland no. Wales game or the or the Italy France game that's no. and actually you... uh, my good was uh, when uh, when it all kicked off after that Liam Williams shithousing <laughs> Angus Gardner and Luke Pierce just just immediately coming in going Carl we'll deal with this yeah Carl, let me, the proper let, referees let, are here now Carl <laughs> give us a minute Carl you, you've shown you've shown absolutely no ability to be able to deal with this in the past so why don't you just let the adults have a go <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dave Williams on Twitter says uh, good isn't a max obscene nonchalance before, during and after that crossfield kit for Demortier's try, yeah I mean it's yeah. it was an absolute thing of beauty it was the opposite of the kick for um, Ramos's try which was one of the ugliest things imaginable like, <laughs> I still don't entirely know how that was a try because it yeah. someone must have knocked something on there somewhere, surely uh, Ian McGill says, good special mention for the three players who appeared in all five of Scotland's Calcutta Cup this, uh, wins in 2018, 2019, 2021, 2022 and 2023. Finn Russell and Johnny Gay so far so expected, both wonderful players, but the third in particular, William Petrus Nell. Fair play to him. Yeah. We've jo- me and you have joked offline about <laughs> you know, Scotland being, having to turn to WP Nell as the tight head in the Six Nations, but he absolutely stood up to everything that England threw at him. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, as much as it is fun to joke about WP Nelly, he does not fuck around. No. And, like, I like I, I do like to joke about having to rely on him, but also I have no problem relying on him at the same time. Mm. Indeed. Uh, I've, I've sort of inadvertently moved into good there. So, uh, good for me. Um, Joe Hawkins yeah. deserved a lot better than from everyone else around him for all of like it's like he made two absolutely killer like should have been try scoring line breaks you know and (laughs) everyone around him just went you know what we're just gonna fuck this up for you if that's all right like it was an eight out of ten performance just surrounded by a sea of three out of tens who seemed like they didn't know what they needed to do but wales finally have a 12 that isn't nick tompkins and that makes me real happy yeah uh, any good from you? Uh, yeah, WPL was my good because I love him more than like yeah. uh, Richie Gray, real good. Yeah, that, like tip, that tip one after seventy-five yeah. minutes Oof. was unbelievable for a second row to play that well that long and then still have that sort of hands at the end. Just yeah, ridiculous. and just like, and in the lineouts as well, like. Um, he's always been a good line-out forward, but I've never, I've never noticed him sort of have like an Atoje like spring out of without being lifted like that before. Yeah. It was seriously <laughs> like impressive stuff. Yeah, no, he was, he was like ridiculously impressive, really, really good. Indeed, uh, Sam Ashworth says, uh, "Good is Italy's attack." Uh, yes, 
Mm-hmm. Like, run super... from everywhere, see what happens. Yeah. Shitting it a bit as an England fan, he says. Uh, it is good and sexy, but it is also completely chaotic. And yeah. it just seemingly has no structure whatsoever, which, I mean... That sort of works in rugby. Scotland's yeah, yeah. basically uh, chaos, so why not? Yeah, with an England defence that's got no structure at the moment, it could chaos, be interesting. Chaos works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't really run that sort of Italian mad shit against a defence that just stands there and makes all their tackles and knows what they're doing, but the England defence does <laughs> not seem yeah, to be they, like that right now. So. They do that, yeah, they do that against Ireland and they will just not let you score any tries. <laughs> Yeah. Like, well, I'm just going to stand it then. Sorry, um, but yeah, England. Who knows? Well, you know, they've got a week to sort it out. Uh, Colin Mills uh, off the Twitter says, "Good is audible shoe chance at Twickenham," and I mean, yeah, audible all Scottish chance at Twickenham. Yeah. Like, if you have, we joked, we mentioned it earlier. That England fan getting interviewed by Rugby Pass at the end of the game, uh, real funny. Also, yep. broadly, extremely correct. Yeah, <laughs> like, and he was really angry as well. Yeah. Very funny. <laughs> it's like you know, it wasn't as if like uh, you know, Ireland outsang Wales on Saturday in the Millennium Stadium, but that's because the game was they were like twenty-seven nil up after half an hour, and Wales knew that this was going to be a bad day after about four minutes. Like England were in that game right until the final whistle, and nobody at Twickenham seemed to care. Yeah, it was like, do you want to do you want to get behind you? you get behind your team here, lads. Do you want to shout them on a little bit? Do you want to give them a no? Okay, just let Scotland yeah, just fine. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> it, just this, I've, I can't imagine being so disinterested in backing your own team, but no. apparently there's a large like contingent of Twickenham fans that would rather just watch the game in silence. It's weird. Yeah, very very odd. But, I mean, I'll take it. It was very funny. Fuck, yeah. Uh, Steve Clark says, uh, good is Scotland winning in front of a crowd at Twickenham. Uh, WPNL showing that you're still an absolute fucking unit in the scrum and that tip pass from Richie Gray, indeed. Mm-hmm. Summed it all up. Oofed. Uh, Gordon McCracker says, good. Blair Kinghorn's cameo at fullback was really impressive considering he's a fly-off. Uh, <laughs> yes. Genuinely, though, we said it like genuinely really good when he came yeah. on. Like, yeah. Did everything that you'd want him to do. Make called, came into the attack at the right time. Distributed well, kicked well. He was really good. Yeah. Uh, David Larry says, "Good Ireland avoiding the banana skin in Cardiff, coping with a couple of late force changes, and looking like they deserve their number one ranking." While I had a lovely day out. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we haven't. Yeah, I feel like we haven't really spoke, but like Ireland, just so like unspectacularly efficient. It's hard to kind of read too much into them and talk. Yeah, too much about yeah, like them. there was there was nothing magically amazingly good and nothing terribly bad. Like they just do no. exactly what they need to do at they, the right time. They just were. Yeah, they were just. They did what they wanted to do. Uh, Simon Clark says, "Good is Hugo Keenan quietly become one of the best 15s in the world." It's true. Like. He had a bit of a down season last year, did Hugo Keenan. It was the first sort of genuine wobble that I think he's had in his career. But like, he's everything he did was so it was Ben Smith esque, really. Yeah. Like, he cleaned up messes so efficiently and without so he came he kicked so well every time Wales kind of put a dangerous ball in over his head and that bigger did do some really good line kicking on. Saturday and everyone, he was just like, "No, I'm going to clear it up 
it's going to be fine. And there's so much reassuring, like from a sort of team perspective, it's so reassuring to have a 15 that just does that, you know? Yeah. And it's so hard to find, and it's such a rare thing. And it's a big part of why Islanders are as good as they are, really, is that it's just they never have to worry about the fullback. He's yeah. always in the right place at the right time. Uh, any more goods from you before we um, round this thing up? No, I don't think so. I think that's pretty much covered all of it. I shall round this up then uh, with friend of the pond. And Anna Seligman says, uh, good, so excited for the Six Nations to start this weekend. Not sure what you guys will be talking about on the pod tonight. There's absolutely nothing happened this weekend. Yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what we'll be talking about. Either the Six Nations doesn't start till Saturday, isn't it? Yeah, big game against Scotland. First one up. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Not having that. We're not, we're not erasing <laughs> our game. You can erase yours. I mean, You've I got don't. a game at hand or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've, we've got one of those... Uh, like well, they give you four points for not playing games like in <laughs> Super Rugby. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, Johnny, it's been a pleasure uh, as ever. Uh, yep. Next time you come on, always, I, you. I won't sort of accuse you of being an alt-right person when you come on next time, probably, <laughs> or maybe I will. I don't know. You know, we'll see how it goes. But uh, indeed, thank you much for keeping my company tonight. Uh, it's better than much better than talking to myself. Let's face it. Thank you for everybody who's uh, joined on the live stream. You're always a good laugh. Uh, and yeah, I'm sure Lee will be sitting in, he genuinely is in a travel lodge in Ealing. Um, whether he's getting re-educated or not, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll be sitting there in this travel lodge in Ealing, just desperately wishing that you could come on and talk about England. So, uh, But he'll be <laughs> back next week. And maybe we'll even have a historic first loss to Italy to talk about. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, that would be great. That's, I'll, leave, I'll leave you all with that lovely thought. <laughs> have a lovely week, everyone. We shall see you next week. So long. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.